Welcome everyone to the Elevate Your Equity podcast where investors with a special emphasis on couples begin, continue, and deepen their journey to financial freedom together using a powerful vehicle of real estate investing to do it. Today, we've got some great guests on board with us. We have Greg and Kim. And Greg's a former small business owner with his wife and business partner, Kim, who's sitting right next to him right now. He's retired after a 20-year career with Frito-Lay, and they've been investing in real estate since 2016. And currently, their portfolio consists of an ownership interest of over 150 units in Tennessee and Indiana with a market value of over $4 bucks. And they've also participated in land development projects in South Carolina, and they've also recently partnered to scale both flipping and multifamily investment opportunities in Central and Eastern Tennessee. So lots of stuff going on. Really great to have both of you guys on the show. Greg and Kim, how are you guys today? Doing very well. Thank you. Yourself? Very good. Good, good. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So it seems apparent to me that you guys have been, you're relatively new to the space, but you've still been in it for quite a while now. 2016 is about, what, five, six years now at this point. So can you guys tell us a little bit about how you guys got started or how you got first excited about investing in real estate? Yeah, sure. Uh, We had a a small business back home in Alaska. That was originally going to be our venture into entrepreneurship and working for ourselves. And it didn't work, basically. It's the short scale on that. After about three years, we decided that we had to either pull the plug on it or figure it out. And then simultaneously, we were starting to look at real estate. Largely, I think it was just kind of a rabbit hole type thing. I went to a Than Merrill flipped this house one day seminar thing and decided I would just jump in and try and figure it out a little bit. So we we started passively with a couple of single families here in, in Memphis, Tennessee, while we dug in on the education side. So do another couple of sentences and then <laughs> <laughs> the store thing was cool. We're committed to, to, to working for ourselves as we did it, it. For me personally, it helped kind of redefine where we wanted to be eventually. And that became clear to me that that was not going to be the vehicle and that the real estate, my, one of my biggest things is optionality for where we live, how we're living, so on and so forth. And having a brick and mortar retail store doesn't leave you a lot of options. Excellent. So what do you, what do yeah, you think? I mean, that's Kim? true. And he did real estate first before I did. So we have two, a couple of kids and I was lucky enough to stay home with them as we raised them. And then it was kind of my turn to work the W2 full-time job for much shorter than he did. So that worked out pretty well in that's my good. favor. Yeah. Um, and then he were, he was able to go full-time first and I was able to carry that for a little while. And then just a couple of years after that, then I went full-time as well. Excellent. So a question that I have to ask you guys is when you guys first got going in this, I wanted to ask you where you have heard real estate from. And then after that, I want to understand, you know, Greg, it sounded like you kind of like spearheaded that first you went out there and this is something that we're going to try. I'm going to go to a seminar and I want to know what the conversation was like at home. You know, Kim, when you hear him wanting to go to a seminar, probably spent some money there or at least some time. And so I wanted to hear a little bit about uh, how the interaction went when you guys first started. I mean, the real estate thing, I I think it was just kind of out there and aware of it. 
I've been entrepreneurial-ish, although I did a 20-year career. I was always kind of looking at other things. So I was aware of real estate. And, you know, back in Alaska, I remember looking with my dad at some condos when Alaska was in a deep recession. He kind of toyed with the idea of, of, of buying a couple of properties. He never did do it, though. So it was just kind of on my mind a little bit, specifically the flip this house thing. It was completely just an exercise and well, you know, it's free. It's going to be for a couple of days, whatever. And I think I spent whatever the $197 for two days. And I said, I'll just use that as a small open door into it and, and see where it goes from there. I don't think you were particularly put off by no, I don't think it was a big like, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? Had you <laughs> wanted to drop the 10 grand that Ben Merrill was asking for right. to learn the secrets, well, that's a deal now. that yeah. might have been a different discussion. <laughs> but again, I was lucky enough to spend the bulk of our marriage at home raising the kids. And, and he did a job that he didn't particularly adore. So I was absolutely happy to have him find something that he was passionate about, that I could participate in, that I could continue to learn and grow my own skills and something that we could really be a partnership with. Because it's difficult to own a women's retail clothing store when you're a man. Or to it be is. there, right? He, he found that a little off-putting. So to find something that we could do together and be good at was great. Wow, that's great. So you guys said that you had some kids, right, in this? as mm-hmm. well uh, throughout this whole process. Um, were they at home at the time or were they, uh, are they often gone when, by the time you guys started investing in real estate? One had graduated and was in college and the other was just short of graduating high school. So they were, they were older. Okay, excellent. So can you guys walk us through what you guys went through from going from that seminar to where you are right now at the point of, you know, you have about $4 million worth of assets, at least right now, maybe even higher because- Government keeps printing. Yeah, money. well, there's so. some stuff on the horizon. Maybe we need to update too. I realize. So. <laughs> well, maybe so tell, you can update us. Yeah, yeah. tell us about that. <laughs> well, I was still working at Frito Lay. We had the store. Once we kind of realized we were going to take a run at real estate, I left the job. I didn't blow up my 401k. We did a very specific tax strategy that would get my retirement available to us to use in real time. And I actually got another W-2 job. A couple of years. That was for a couple of years. We refied the house to pull some equity out of that. I actually, I did liquidate my pension. That was a straight up option that I could be like, I'll take a check now instead of deferring it till if I'm still alive. And then eventually we moved. We sold everything and moved to Tennessee. That was all part of it. But we moved from, you know, from the flip this house, we did the turnkey single family rentals in Memphis, discovered that in order to do that, you have to have more than two. You have to have a portfolio. And if you're going to have a portfolio of units, makes much more sense to have them under one roof as opposed to 30 different roofs. So then we yeah. made that move to, to multifamily and that's where we've landed with both feet here in Tennessee. Excellent. Yeah, we did two education platforms kind of simultaneously. We did multiple, it was mostly me because you had to stay back with the children, but did multiple market tours out of state, flew out of state and tried to do some stuff by ourselves from Alaska. That was incredibly difficult. 
eventually we ended up partnering with somebody that we met through a network of one of the education platforms. And that's who we continue to work with very closely still, all of which ended up in Tennessee. We have one outlier, which is in, outside Wichita, Kansas. But yeah, we did everything. I mean, we were like, we we're just like, well, here we go. <laughs> you know, the kids are getting older. We, we were actually pretty structured about it. It's like, as they leave, this will give us the opportunity. And we have, a, you know, I have a timeline of full on, full blown, mostly passive retirement by 55. So we're, we're tracking on a fairly specific goal. Awesome. Yeah, that's so great. And when I heard you, you know, earlier, you said realizing that the brick and mortar um, perhaps wasn't going to be like the right vehicle. What was it about real estate investing specifically that made you realize, yes, this is the vehicle that's going to allow for everything you guys want? That it was scalable, that there was plenty of tax advantages to it, that to some extent, it is it is a very mature industry. You, you can be successful and not be in the market you're investing in. You can do it in a lot of ways, either as a limited partner or more actively like we are. We've also been a limited partner. So it just gives you a lot of options fairly low bar to the education side and not discounting at all how much you need to know, but the accessibility of the knowledge is it's available much different. than if I decided I wanted to become a chemist there, you know, there's a pretty defined way that you become a chemist, the real estate and a lot of entrepreneurship can be figured out with some aspect of trial and error that hopefully you survive. And we can do it anyway. Right. As, yeah. as our kids grow and they're, you know, we have one back in Alaska, we have another in London right now. So our kids are spread, our families okay. are spread. We can do this from a lot of different places. And so that is really nice. We can go somewhere for a month or two months and still run our business effectively. Yeah, that's wonderful. Just that freedom of location. And I wanted to ask too, you know, for both of you, what roles do you each take on in the business itself? And what does your day-to-day look like? Yeah, I landed in the underwriting and asset management side of it. Being in Alaska, we knew we were going to invest in our backyard and we just didn't want to. So of the few things that you can do from anywhere, underwriting is a very valuable one. And so I kind of fell into that a little bit and continued to He also to do likes it. it. I do he enjoy it. He also likes yeah. it. Yeah, I do enjoy it. <laughs> When you dream about spreadsheets, you... I'm not, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally know what you mean. I think you and yeah. Derek might yeah, be. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of ended up, you know, I doubled down on that in our partnership that that is largely my initial role and super active role is, is underwriting and asset management. And then Kim came on and I do a lot of the investor relations, a lot of the marketing, um, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. So for example, with our podcast, Greg and Darren are the face of the podcast. I do all the back end stuff. So I edit and I line up guests and, and, and make sure those pieces are working. We're also taking on property management for a couple of properties that we are acquiring. Um, I'm going to head that up specifically on, again, the resident side of it and making sure that that part is smooth. So a lot of back room stuff, a lot of marketing, a lot of tenant communications and investor relations. Yeah. And in our third leg, Darren, I won't leave him out because he leads a 
some specific roles too, which is more of the high touch investor relations type stuff, raising money, networking that way. He's a very good networker, but he's also very strong on project management and budgets and what stuff costs and dealing with contractors and being much more on site than I am. I tend to be, you know, more of the laptop side of it and he's much more of the on-site side of it. Yeah, we're very lucky that the, between the three of us, we cover all the, all the yeah. pieces quite well. Yeah, I would say those are the three huge pillars when it comes to uh, operating and creating value for investors and also for yourselves and also the tenants that uh, that you guys are basically providing a safe home, safe, reliable, and affordable home for them. So thank you. That's great. Good stuff there. I, I did want to ask you guys too, uh, Greg, you alluded to this a little bit earlier on in the call, um, but you talked about some some 401k that you were able to tap into or strategy you were able to get into. I think I know what you're referring to, but just in case for the audience, do you mind uh, elaborating just a little bit on what happened there with that? I'm sure there's people that want to know how to be able to do that too. Yeah, we use what is called a rollover for business startup, which uh, essentially you create a qualified plan for your profit sharing to invest in. It's a little bit different than like a checkbook IRA. You actually have to start a C-Corp is what we ended up using. And then that is the vehicle that we actually invest through. So we'll either invest personally or sometimes through the C-Corp. And then it's a big elaborate thing. It's a facilitator involved that uh, helps us along with this, but eventually you sunset out of it and three to five years or something like that. Oh, great. Great. That's cool. I'm definitely going to ask you guys probably after the show to provide some resources there. Cause I'm sure there's people yeah. that want to know a little bit more about how that works, uh, including me. I thought I knew what it was, but I, I, I do not. Right. So I learned something yeah. today. It is a little bit different than what most people do. And it, yeah. it definitely requires that third party. So. Yeah, mm. for sure. So as you guys discovered that you're going to get into the multifamily space, can you guys talk about a little bit how you got started there? Because um, I know like we talked a little bit about how you guys moved up, but I want to put some more detail on what happened with your first multifamily investment and then what you guys realized from that learning forward to get you to go where you are today. Do we really have to talk about our first one? <laughs> it was... <laughs> I know everyone has the first one. I know, it's always... It's always it was rough one. in a lot of ways, but it was great in a lot of ways. I mean, we met... Darren through it. So it, it came to us through the education platform that Greg is a part of. And it was a huge heavy lift. We hit, I mean, you name a bump and we'll say, yes, that happened. Yeah, that happened. So we escaped with the profit though. Right. I mean, it, it, you know, you, we, that's good. We pulled a little profit at, at the end of it and that was a big win, but yeah, big heavy lift. It was a value add on paper, what you expect a value add to look like on paper, but we ended up at 100% vacancy. We had contractor problems. We went from a bridge loan to a bridge loan. We had not problems with the city, but had delays related to the city. Rehab budgets being burned up with holding costs and I think it was but see, a year hold we did it like all that. in one go right so yeah. we know all of these things now <laughs> just just like that boom and you also got it out of your system it's a phase so now it's it's, it's kind of it's, no it's all we're all done right yeah <laughs> but we know how to approach them right we know how to look at them and say okay and we also know how to look at a business plan and we know how to I think adapt and I think we learned to 
you know, who you want, what kind of partners you want to work with, what kind of partners you don't want to work with. All of those pieces came together quickly at the beginning. And mm -hmm. they always say, oh, your first deal. And then your second one within months, the second deal had come on and it, it's been rolling from there. A lot of work, a lot of networking. And, and again, those, those education platforms give you some of those connections in addition to teaching you how to work it. What advice would you guys have for those who are starting off that may be in your guys' shoes uh, when you were starting out? So I guess maybe a better way to phrase this question is, if you knew what you guys knew right now, what would you tell your former selves back in 2016 about investing in real estate? Start earlier, start now, go. No? <laughs> uh, I'm not, you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, yeah, to not hesitate. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I'm not about like do go at the expense of possibly doing something stupid that you're not prepared for. And I'm not saying we did that, but sure. there were some things that, you know, be, be more capitalized is one of the things that uh, comes up in my mind, you know, raise more money than you think you're going to need. And we're, we're super active as asset managers. I mean, I was right. reading county regulations for setbacks and stuff. There's a lot to this that is not covered in the uh, educational platforms. It's yeah. a totally different story when you actually own a piece of real estate, how specific and project specific things are. So, but it's be, all figure outable. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not, absolutely. don't be scared. Don't be scared by what you don't know. Continue to go. I think that's what I meant. Don't be scared by you don't go and, mm -hmm. and go for it. It's, it's worth it. I knew there's a lot of moving pieces because we had owned a business before. There are truly a ton of moving pieces to putting this stuff together and running it. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And the fact that there's all these moving pieces, I mean, that's why, you know, what better partner than to have than your own spouse, right? And so a lot of our listeners are actually couples who want to go in this together and, and really get to say where you guys are now. What advice would you have for them? One, on a, you know, on a relationship level, and then two, on a business level, like how to get on the same page. <laughs> uh... So the first thing that I would say is to have your own spaces, right? So we used to work at the same table together and have your own space. I think that personally and professionally is helpful. If you spend all day together and then all evening together, it becomes a lot. And I think it becomes easy to continue to work all the time. Mm -hmm. so if you can figure out a way to have your own space, even if it's just like, like a board in between you, so you <laughs> I think that helps both personally and professionally is to create your own space because then you can be on calls and you, you not interrupted. Right. So he's on a lot more calls than I am on. If I'm sitting across from him, my work is disrupted by him talking and I don't want him to feel like he can't. So it just works better that way. One of the things that we've noticed and Sophie was touching on this is that having a partner in the multifamily game is really, really important. And one of the things that we feel really strongly about here, at least at Elevate Equity, I'm not I'm not sure uh, how many people out there in the audience feel about this, but it's our firm belief that your best partner in crime, so to speak, is going to be your spouse because you both have the same interests, you know each other well, and when you're working with a partner that you know well and already have some sort of track record or some sort of partnership in, in something else, you know what the person needs, you know what the person doesn't need. So for instance, Sophie, right? Like she's told me before when I'm stressed out and do work, 
it's not good work. And so she reminds me that when I'm stressed out, I need to take a break and remove myself from the situation, yet I can't help myself sometimes. So has there been any instances in that case with you guys where you've recognized something from the personal side that you've been able to carry over to business success within the relationship? Well, I know, I know Kim knows, like, I'm like, feel stressed. But I feel like there's, there's still work to be done, especially stuff that is on the has to be done list and not mm-hmm. like the would be nice to do list. Then I carry that a little heavier than maybe I should. So that trickles into just the rest of my day. If I'm, I'm like, it's hard for me to do something over here when I really think I should be over here doing something else. So sometimes I have a little trouble uh, just letting work go a little bit. And then some extent, just being able to just like, I'm done working. We'll go on a walk. We spend a lot of time walking. That's how we'll take a break. You know, it's like, let's just go for a walk, clear our head, whatever. And sometimes we, I'm sure we have both said, it's like, I just want to go for a walk. I don't want to talk about work. You know, I just want to look at squirrels, you know, see if there's any <laughs> ditch fish swimming around. At some point, you just got to be able to be. And at the same time, I think we know each other so well that I can point out when I know he's had trouble with something, like he's been on a call and it or something, and I, I know it, he's done a good job, right? And then it's against his tendency, right? And so I'm like, oh, you did a really great. I, I appreciate it. I noticed how you didn't say this or you didn't do that or you did this or you did that. So knowing each other well, I think also we're able to encourage each other when we do some of those things that are uncomfortable or difficult or are easy. And you're like, wow, you really did a great job on that. And so I think it's nice to know that those are the true things, right? But you can honestly say that to each other and know that it's been meant. That's good. Would you guys say too, that real estate investing has also helped boost your relationship in some way or another, or add an extra dimension? I think we've both grown quite a bit just personally and just in self-confidence and I mean, I really just enjoy the control, not that like everything is under control, but that, you know, we're kind of in charge of how out of control things are to some extent. So that's been a nice boost just for us combined personal and Mm -hmm. as a couple level that we've, we've grown a lot in the past five years through business and also just personally. And the timing was great because we became empty nesters at the same time. So we're learning new skills together or complementary skills together. So it's not one person doing it all on their own. We are learning it together and that helps strengthen our relationship, I think. You know, very recently it's, and just in our partnership in general, there's been more implicit ownership in your task you know, we still gather around and like play off of what's going on. Everybody gets an update and everybody's happy to contribute. But it, to some extent, we're all owning our roles a lot more, which is nice in that I think things get done better and faster when people have the room to do them. And it's, you know, it's very nice to know that other people have that confidence in you too. Absolutely. I echo everything that you guys say, because that's what we've experienced as well on our end. Uh, with Sophie and I, I'm, you know, I'm definitely behind some of the networking and the underwriting and the deal finding, but Sophie's really behind a lot of the capital finding 
Uh, and also the big vision, like the leverage, like business systems and processes, like I'll go and build these things. Cause I love to do that. And I love talking with other individuals, but at the same time, you know, she helps like provide a compass and also uh, helps be a mirror for me to be able to say, Hey, you know, it's time to take a break or like, why are we doing all of this work? Like the perspective is not right. You know, if we're spending all of our days doing all this investing, but not enjoying the time that we've created because of all this you know, it kind of defeats the point behind that. So I love the dynamic that you guys have. And it seems like you both know each other so well that the natural skills and talents that you guys have, have just kind of floated into the roles that you have. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing. And having two people that are great at two separate things that are so opposite and so diverse is one way to be able to show it to many people that you're going to go way further, right? Because you're, you have two people that are good at two things instead of one person that's good at one half thing and the other half thing. So that's kind of my thought there. I don't know if you have any comments on that, but that's kind of just some of me, you know, some of my reflections on what I'm hearing from you two. Yeah. I mean, the, the knowing each other very well is, is absolutely true. I think it can be, it could be difficult because I think the expectation level when you're working with a spouse. <laughs> We're totally, we're totally keeping that in the podcast, by the yeah. way. <laughs> I know I have a tendency to be much sharper and direct than I probably would be with somebody that was strictly in a business relationship with. And I have a tendency to bend a little more than I would than right. with somebody who I was in a business relationship with. It's beautiful. You wow, need that's so great that you, you need have the that polarity. self-awareness to be able to identify that. Cause I think that happens with us too. It and does. maybe it happens unconsciously because you know, there's like the, such a blurry line between the two. Yeah. It, it is for yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's and it's, agree, the, it's just the other because I'm tend to be very direct. I'm like, let's just, you know, let's do this. This is done. All right, on to the next thing. I don't need to reflect on it or anything. I'm like, but that is a little colder than what you would expect to have with somebody that you're in a relationship is that, you know, it's a significant part of the day can be spent in my mind, just doing very direct and objective things just need to be, you know, we got a checklist. Let's just do the checklist. I'm going to eat lunch now. You know, it's good. It's, it's I'm just getting through the day. I, I mean, it's I, almost I, like we're, we're coworkers, mm. but you know, some of the relationship side of it just gets like switched off a little bit because I'm like, I'm just plowing through all the stuff we got to do. But yeah. I, don't think I realize that's you're still my wife and everything. But, but I don't think uh, that's unique. I don't think that's unique to, to us or to any relationship. I think when you get focused on doing what you're doing, a lot of the other things fall away. And we've been working yeah. together in the same space now for almost, it's been almost two years and so we've learned to adapt to it, just like you would learn to adapt to a coworker in your regular W2 office. So it's just harder to stop that. And you just have to give each other grace and space, right? I mean, that's just what it's all about. It is. You have to learn how to work with each other well, because if it's, if it's two well-oiled machines that are working together on separate tracks, but going in the same direction, that's great because, you know, you're headed the same way, but you have two different ways of doing it. And actually that polarity there between the two, you know, the two approaches is you need that you really need to be able to look at things at the two extremes or anywhere in between. And so I think that uh, what you guys have like, and that's making any business decision, whether it's an acquisition, or whether it's making a decision with a tenant, or with a property manager or a team member, you need to have these two perspectives to be able to think through things and figure out what the best solution is, because 
democracy is much better than just kind of a, a single person making a single judgment based on their own experience, right? So. Oh, absolutely. So and I think to, the same thing can apply to your, you know, your personal life and your relationship as yeah, well. Sometimes 100%. having two different and figuring out how to make that work. hundred percent. always agree on everything all the time. So I wanted to take a minute right now to shift to the actual real estate investing world now. So I know Sophie doesn't like this part very much, but <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna start talking about the deal acquisitions you guys look for, um, things that you uh, that you may advise other people on when starting out. But let's talk about your typical asset today. What are you guys looking for today? Um, what type of returns are you seeking? What are you specifically looking for? Is it local or are you looking out of the market or does it depend? Uh, just give us a little overview there as to what you guys are seeking. Yeah, we're, we're still super Tennessee centric. I mean, we, we have two deals, two apartment complexes under contract to buy. We're selling one and we have potentially two RV parks that we're getting under contract here. So we're, we know what we're doing every day for the next three months at this point. It tends to all be in Tennessee. We're kind of taking what the market is giving us a little bit. So we are doing a couple of syndications. We are doing a couple of joint ventures. They tend to be in the 30 to 70 range still. As we get out of this round of acquisitions and selling, we are planning on taking a step back, just kind of reevaluating where we're at and, and seeing what the next logical move forward would be. We've been trying to scale up into larger, you know, triple digit unit count, single properties for the scale and having bringing, bringing in property management, you know, over the next six months, we're going to have plenty to kind of figure out and get control of and optimize. Uh, but I think we'll lean more towards bigger properties and scale and co-sponsoring with other people in Tennessee, Carolinas, North Georgia, uh, Southern Kentucky. Good. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that strategy. That's, that's fantastic. I think we learned a lot being limited partners investing in someone else's deal, I think is a great way to get a lot of information of things that you like and things that you don't like. So that when it is your turn to be on the GP side, you know how much communication you feel comfortable with receiving, how much you'd like to see, that type of thing. I think that is a super valuable way to, to move into the market and you can leverage someone else's, right? So now you're, you have an ownership interest in, in, in all of those pieces. So I think getting started as a limited partner is not a bad way to go. Yeah, I would say there's a lot of people I talk to in meetups and they really underestimate what they could bring to the table, whether they're construction industry or GCs or they, they've owned other businesses or they've had some kind of HR role where they're just really people managers. And I'm like, I would love to have an experienced GC on my team. You know, it's just like, don't underestimate how much knowledge you have that somebody else might be needing. And it's really specifically to people that, well, I, I only own a couple of fourplexes. I'm like, that's more than most people ever do. And it's not invaluable at all just because it's not a hundred units or something. It's the same thing. It's just at a smaller scale. You'll just have more doors to knock on. That's all. You know, um, Greg, I couldn't agree with you more there. One thing that comes to my mind on this is one of my mentors telling me that wherever your mindset is, your external world is going to follow. So if there's a person that has the mindset that even though they only have three or four fourplexes, right? 
they have the mindset of someone who has multiple hundred doors, that's the person to work with. That's the person because it just it's just a matter of time before someone with that type of mentality, that drive, that commitment to taking care of people and others and the commitment to solving problems. It's just a matter of time before all that catches up. You know what I mean? Because it's a consistent long game when it comes with multifamily and when it comes to investing in real estate. So, you know, I think I think that's a really important tip. And I really love that, uh, that you brought that up, that people discount what they have bringing to the table. It's really, that's a powerful tip for sure. And a lot of people discount their own like knowledge. And I think that's what creates a lot of the like analysis paralysis, right? And it prevents people from taking action. Like we have, we know people who've just invested like, you know, a hundred, like thousand dollars over and over and over again into multiple courses, but they never do anything because they don't feel like they're ever ready. And so what, maybe you can share some advice you have for those people other, you know, that they like just get started. Cause like there has to be some shift in all of us as real estate investors, where like there comes a point where it's like, okay, it's now or never. Right. Right. I can't remember. We said you can't learn to ride a bike by going to a seminar. You actually have to get on the bike at some point and, and just. Figure <laughs> it out. So sure. I'm, I'm all for the education side of it. I think it can at least prepare you for things that you're going to encounter. And there's a lot to know, but yeah, at some point, you know, you just got to start. How do you get somebody to start? Can you guys hone in on that moment? If you remember like that, where you're just like, Um, I'm ready to do this. I don't know. I just multiple times I've had, there's still hesitation. You know, it's like, all right, here we are. We're sending in this best and final. Yep. What do we do if we get it? You know? That Greg in and of itself, I have to say, is probably the best advice. It's like there is that there always will be hesitation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it never yeah. ends. It just it just keeps changing, right? Yeah, I would say it's completely accurate, dead on there. Like for instance, today um, we just got under an accepted LOI on a property, and we're looking to do a PSA. But one of the terms that we had in order to get the deal was to submit hard money from day one. And I've already got, I've already got, um, you know, the, I got my property manager to go out in the job walk and we verified that everything was rehabbed a few years ago. I'm comfortable with that, but still we have to submit the hard money. And um, that's really scary, but this is a fantastic opportunity. And, And the reason why we got it is because we were aggressive and we had to pull the trigger. And usually, you know, you just trust that as long as you're working with your spouse and your team, you have to trust the collective knowledge of four people or three people or two people or whoever's working that this, that's going to work out and just trust in yourself. And the great thing about real estate is that almost always, unless you're in a really bad market or you're really trying, if you get into the property and then hold, you will most likely, if you can hang on to it, you most likely will end up coming out ahead. Yeah. It's very forgiving. Yeah. Very forgiving. But I, I mean, I remember just like, when you have to hit like send wire. Yeah. And you're like, right. you're, you're hovering over it. Like, oh, man. And then you're like, okay, okay. well, I guess it. I did yeah. it. It's time for a walk now. Go look at the Maybe squirrels. Maybe it's a sign if like you're not hesitate or you're not worried that that should be like a red flag. For sure. Yeah, no, I get that. I hear that. We yeah, I mean, the hard money of- thing, fortunately, we haven't had to do that. I mean, we can still, I mean, Tennessee, we're still investing for cash flow to a large extent. It is he it has gotten to be a hotter market, even in the just the two years that we've been here. But, you know, if you can get to that confidence level in your market 
and with the property and your micro knowledge and you really know what you're talking about and you feel good about it. I wouldn't say that hard money at, at all is something that you shouldn't do because that might be the very reason, like you said, that you got the deal. That's that right. can be that can be your differentiator, which is much harder from somebody, you know, investing from 3,000 miles away is going to have a, a much harder time do that. yeah. doing that unless they just got, you know, money they can light on fire. But 100%. <laughs> That's right. And it, you can't compete with those guys anyway. I mean, right. if you're willing to just, you know, look at that as part of the risk and if they lose it, they lose it. They got more. I'm like, well, that's part okay. of, that's part of, that's part of, uh, you know, this game, you know, that we're playing. Absolutely. Well, I think if you ask kind of what was that spark? And I don't know that for us, there was a spark. I think it was a slow smolder for mm. a long time mm. to do to do something, to be in control of our own future and our own time and our days and the things, you know, our own legacy, what we want to leave for our kids and their kids and different opportunities presented themselves at different times and real estate and specifically this multifamily stuff presented itself at the right time and the right things came together and we were able to capitalize on that. Awesome guys. And before we move into our rapid round, um, I just have one more question. Can you talk a little bit more about the legacy aspect? What is, you know, what does that mean for you guys? And what do you want to leave for your kids and future generations? My role model is Kim's grandpa, Oma, Opa, excuse me, Oma too. <laughs> but uh, he did well for himself. Um, some of it was through real estate and he had enough financial success that he was able to help grandchildren with college and, and things like that and didn't do it as, as any kind of a handout or here's a lot of money and you do it whatever you want. You know, it came with uh, strings attached of sorts and um, was just very self-made and humble about it. I'm like, well, that's you know not a bad place to be. I think I'll go after that. All right, cool. You don't have one? Oh, I love it. I, well, I, <laughs> as far as, I mean, we, I've heard it called, you know, giving with a warm hand yeah. to be able to provide for our kids and nieces and nephews and other family and friends, the ability to help them when we can and leave their lives better than when we found them no matter if we made them right in the case of the kids, but, um, and it's not always money that does that, but money certainly helps quite a bit. Of course it does. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much. It was great stuff. So we're going to kind of end the main content of the podcast and head into the rapid round now. So this is the same five questions that we ask every one of our guests. And so they're meant to be answered quickly in about a 15 to 20 second time span for each of you. So the questions are for each of you, except for the last one. Okay, guys, the first question is what book has had the biggest impact on you and why? And this will be outside of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the Bible because we get those answers a lot. <laughs> those are your top two, right? Top yeah, two. absolutely. The Giving Tree. It's just, it's very simple. There's not a lot of words. The illustrations are very simple. It's, it's just beautiful. It's just very quiet and oh, I love it. It's a great message. That is, yeah, no one said that before, but I love that. Uh, I'm going to go with Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Oh, another and good Because one. I love how she gives you the tools to approach life's joys and difficulties. All right, next question is, if people wanted to emulate your success, what is the first actionable thing that they could do to follow in your footsteps? Go ahead. 
I was going to say, I have a liberal arts degree, so I am a giant fan of the liberal arts degree, which is probably antithetical to what everybody else out there thinks. I do think it's valuable. I do like my literature degree, so I would say do a literature degree or a liberal arts, that wide range of knowledge and learning to think in different ways. Yeah, I would say just educate. I mean, go down the rabbit hole. It's so easy to do now and it's so inexpensive to do now. There's really no reason why you shouldn't spend some time just figuring it out, but do it quickly. Wonderful. Good. So next question is what small thing do most people not know about you? I, I mean, I can go with the obvious. I've sung in a band for 10 years. I was a <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. Love it. <laughs> irrelevant punk band in the world, but that's fine. <laughs> we had a good run. As long as you had fun. That's I had point. a lot of fun. That I am happily a one car family. So we share one car in a city where we have to figure it out. So for lots of reasons, I'm glad we are a one car family. Very cool. Cool. I know we adopted that too. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's it, has, it has been working out well. So more power <laughs> to you. Love it. Nice. Next question is, how do you guys like to unwind and restore your creative juices individually? I read fiction. I read nonfiction. We go on walks, we hike. I mean, I largely, I was just thinking this the other night, I'm kind of taking weekends off a lot of it just to self-educate in other ways that I liked, out, usually outside of real estate. Fantastic. Yep. And then last question is, what's your favorite family vacation spot? That's for both of you together. Uh, I'm going to be a big fat sap and where my kids are. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'll, okay, I'll rev I, And my second choice was, was Maui. Yeah, we got to spend some time We got to Maui. spend a lot of time in Maui with kids and my grandparents. And so for me, it's Maui. That's incredible. Nice. Sounds pretty relaxing to me. That's awesome. Very That's cool. Not too bad. Well, uh, thank you guys, Greg, Kim. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your advice, all your stories as well um, about how you guys got started in this uh, real estate journey. So, um, for listeners out there who are interested in learning more about what you guys do, how can they get a hold of you? I want to give you a minute just to uh, open mic yourself as well. The easiest way to contact at least Greg is at our website, realwealth.solutions. And there you can find a link to his calendar. There's also links to our podcast as well as our blog and the things that we've got going on. So I'm at Kim at magpie-ventures.com. Excellent. Nice. Very cool. And Greg, do you allow people to reach out to you directly? Don't spend a ton of time on social media. LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. Uh, professionally, I, I do enjoy the networking meetings, like how, how we met Derek. Prefer to like the long form types of things, which social media tends not to be a lot of. Right. But uh, the networking meetings are pretty cool. Excellent. Well, cool. You guys, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Greg, Kim, thank you so much for your time and joining us today. And thank you for, so much for having us. Yeah, this was nice yeah. speaking with both of you. It was great. It was great to do a couples type of thing. That's why we love this podcast. We get to know like more about the investor behind the scenes and get to share that with everyone else. So, but yeah, for everyone else that's listening to the Elevate Your Equity podcast, thank you guys so much for listening. 
And if you guys have any comments or questions or feedback, please interact with us, you know, hit the like, subscribe, wherever you're listening or watching to this, watching this on YouTube, uh, please interact with us. We want to find out more about who you are and also uh, whether or not we're doing well, whether we're providing the value that you need. And so please make sure that you interact with us so that we can get more exposure to more folks as we work our way up the algorithms and get exposure to more people. So, well, Greg, Kim, thank you once again for coming on. It was great having you guys here. This is Derek. And this is Sophie. We're signing off for today. Thanks, everyone. See y'all later. Take care.